You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 244 called Brianna. This episode is sponsored by Barry Fertility. Guys, as we all know, starting your fertility journey can be a big and deeply personal moment, but that doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Introducing the Barry Fertility app, a free way to manage your fertility treatments, including egg freezing, IVF, and embryo transfers all in one place. The Barry app does a ton of things. It can help you understand the stages of your treatment, look up information about your medications, and set reminders for your doses and appointments. You'll also find simple-to-follow injection videos, tutorials, and articles with pro tips on how to manage your injections. Oh my God, this is something I so wish I had when I was going through it. The Barry team is always available to provide support and answer your questions. It's 100% free to use, and you can find it in the Apple App Store. Try Barry Fertility, the trusted partner for every fertility journey. Thanks, Barry. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who've experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX. Use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. All right, guys, before we get started with this episode, I want to tell every single person listening to please go to the link in my bio on Instagram at Infertilife Stories and reserve your free ticket to Fertility Rally Live. It is on October 21st. It is a virtual event. It is completely free. You don't even have to come live and watch it, but when you reserve your ticket, you get 90 days to watch all of our content. And here's the content. We've got Tara Lipinski as our keynote speaker. We've got Deja Riley is a door check as our other keynote speaker. She's a huge fitness influencer and her talk is so good. We have a panel with Doctors for Fertility, so we're going to be talking about all the equality and lack of equality in fertility care. We've got three amazing doctors on this panel, and then we have eight breakout sessions covering a whole bunch of niche topics. You can see all of it on Fertility Rally's Instagram. You can read the whole list of breakout sessions. But the reason we do this twice a year is because it is our way of empowering you guys, educating you guys, giving back, celebrating you you know, showering this whole community with these great voices, these really strong, important voices. And we try to make it as diverse as possible and as entertaining as possible. We work really hard and we would love for you to come. So it's totally, totally free. Go reserve your ticket now. Link in my bio at Infertile Stories Instagram and also at Fertility Rallies Instagram. And again, you don't have to come on October 21st, but if you do, you will be privy to all the giveaways that we do throughout the day. So we're constantly giving away stuff from our brand partners and fertility-friendly brands and wellness brands. You get some really great prizes. We also have a happy hour at the end of the day. 
And the best part is that, like I said, you have 90 days to watch everything. So go get your ticket now. We can't wait to rally like a mofo with you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you there. All right, guys. So today I am talking to Brianna, who is an NYC mama with three babies from IVF. She's going to tell us all about her TTC journey with her husband, which started in 2019. And there's a lot that happened. I'm going to let you listen to her tell it in her own words, but I'm really glad I got to talk to her. You know, she is today working as a fertility doula and working towards becoming a pregnancy coach and childbirth educator because she's so passionate about this and wanted to share her story to tell everybody listening to really advocate for yourself. So without further ado, this is Brianna's infertility story. Hi, Brianna. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for doing this today. It's great to meet you. Oh, good to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to meet me. Of course. So let's just start at the very beginning. I always ask, did you always want to be a mom? Yes. I remember that question from your your podcast. Yeah. Uh, That was a no brainer for me from the very beginning. I just, my very earliest memory was I, I had to be a mom, couldn't wait. There was no doubt in my mind that there would be any struggles you know, when I was very young, it's just, my mom was just an incredible mom is an incredible mom. And it's just something that I knew I had to do. And I wanted many, many kids and I didn't think it was going to be a challenging road. But as I grew in my career, I I worked in hotel management in Manhattan. I always had in the back of my mind, my biological clock is ticking. I haven't Mm -hmm. met the right person. Um, I can't afford to freeze my eggs. I don't even know how to go about that. So it's something that always you know, gave me a little bit of anxiety, whether it would happen or not, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I know that you, um, you sent me an email with kind of a synopsis of your story. I know you guys started your TTC journey in 2019. So what did that look like? And had you and your husband talked about what you wanted your family to look like and all that stuff? Yeah. So we actually met in the hotel industry or working in a hotel together. Um, By the time we got together, we moved very, very quickly. Uh, We just knew it was meant to be. We both were in that point of our lives where, you know, we had no fears talking about marriage and kids very early on. So um, just by nature, I'm a very like anxious person and I get a little obsessed with things. And a few months into us living together, you know, we had an oopsie and I thought, why didn't I get pregnant? Because you're always taught in school, you know, prevent pregnancy can happen, but you're never taught you know, it could take up to a year and that's totally normal. So hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. I didn't have that education. So I freaked out. I became, uh, you know, I, my husband and I sat down at the time and I was like, listen, can we actually try? Because now I'm a little worried because just a little bit of a backstory. I always had incredibly debilitating periods. Mm -hmm. I would be in a fetal position the first day of every cycle since I was 13 and vomiting, couldn't go to work, couldn't go to school. So I always went to the doctor. A doctor told me, oh, you know, some girls just have very painful periods, put me on birth control and gave me naproxen, a very high dose of like a painkiller that I can only get from the pharmacy. And just me being obsessive and anxious, I always did my own research and I thought this could be endometriosis. And so when we didn't get pregnant right away, I said, okay, let's actually try because this could be a journey for us. And we tried for a few months, nothing happened. And I was always very regular. So I was proactive right away. We met with a fertility specialist in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out who to see for that? Honestly, it's just a big network of doctors that I've always gone to in Manhattan. And I have the MyChart app and I just typed in fertility. I didn't need a referral. I didn't need anything. I had great insurance at the time, had my own insurance. And I just made an appointment. And went in to see him and he didn't do any tests. He didn't do any ultrasound. He says, you're young. You've only been trying for a few months. Come back to me when it's been a year. I have no worry. You will get pregnant is what he told me. He gave me, and I almost feel like it was a tactic for him to like, to give me so much confidence that like the stress just kind of melted away. And like, let's see, you'll probably get pregnant now that I'm telling you, like a specialist is telling you, you're going to get pregnant. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I don't think it was all about the money at the time. I think he really was like, no, no, no. Let me give you the confidence. I bet you it'll happen. 
Did you um, walk away feeling more confident? Yeah. Did you believe him? I went right to work afterwards. I was on cloud nine. I was like, this is going to happen for us. Like he's right. I'm young. You know, it could take a year. He said, so let's keep going at this point. It was only four months of trying. So that just shows you how, you know, pretty neurotic I got about this. Um, so then we went to Europe for the summer. We were just, you know, just very in love, very excited about what next summer, the following summer could look like. We weren't getting pregnant. And then come winter time, I said, that's it. This, this is not good for my mental health. Every single month that goes by that I'm not pregnant. And I know there's a deeper issue here. I know because of my periods, this is not just, there's something going on and I need to advocate for myself here. Right. So hold on one real quick question. Did anybody ever mention like endometriosis or anything while you were growing up or with the pain? What, every time I hear painful periods, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah, no, no doctor had ever mentioned it to me ever. Um, had you heard of it? I heard about it. I heard about it somewhere and I just was in such denial. I was like, that's not me. That, uh-huh. that can't be me. I won't have that. My mom doesn't have that. Like I'm just a healthy person. I was in denial and I didn't even want to tell people I thought I had it because I was so scared that they would think, oh, she must be infertile. That's the stigma that mm-hmm. still exists. And, you know, I'm trying to make it my, my goal to erase that stigma, if anything, um, because I was so petrified to tell people I had painful periods because I thought, oh, they're going to think I'm never going to be able to be a mom. And because of that, because I always knew I had to have it. And when I mentioned it at my consultation, my doctor, the fertility doctor said, he said to me, if your, t- your tubes are open, it won't prevent pregnancy. And we'll, we'll do a test on it in a few months. And I bet you your tubes will be open. He Mm -hmm. said that the only way to really diagnose it is a surgery. And we just tell people, forget the surgery, just do IVF. So that was my goal. That was my plan in the back of my head. If this wasn't, if I wasn't getting pregnant naturally, I would just go to IVF. Okay. Yeah. Did you have friends who'd gone through IVF or did you have like a network of people that you could lean on at that point? So it's so crazy because back then I didn't know anyone who had gone through IVF at all, especially at my age. And now... I am so open about going through IVF, especially that I have twins. People, the first thing they ask is, is it natural? And I said, no, I did IVF. Yeah. I can tell you confidently, I know more people who have gone through infertility or IVF than not just by opening Mm. and opening that dialogue. Yeah. That's so interesting. It is like they come out of the woodwork when you say it, they're like, oh, me too. Me too. Yes. Or like, I'll meet someone who's done it 30 years ago. The only person I had in my life when I was going through the infertility journey, the IVF journey was a good friend of mine who lived in Manhattan. He was a dancer. He was on Broadway. He is an IVF baby. He's a triplet. Oh, wow. We spoke to his mom. I spoke to his mom. She was like, this was so many years ago. We put in five embryos, three of them took. And I'm like, oh, that's so different than what you would do. Wild. Yeah. It's so funny too, just how much has changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years when IVF was first invented, you know, and think about what's going to happen in the next 20, 30, 40, like where will we then? It's wild. It's a really exciting. I'd hate for anyone to go through it, but going through it, I I, I have no regrets because it was a very interesting process. And like, it's, it's an amazing journey. It's just stinks that you have to go through it, honestly. Right. Right. So tell me what was going on, you know, back with your story. So you're seeing an RE, had you tried IUIs yet or no? So we, I contacted him again. I said, listen, this isn't happening. This isn't good for my mental health. And he actually had a background. He was in psychology and he ended up going back to school to do infertility. And you kind of left that field, but thank God he had that background because he knew how to speak to me being such an anxious person. Mm. Um, so he said, let's try an IUI. You have unexplained infertility at this point. There's no proof that you have endometriosis. We had done the scan. My tubes were open. There was no cyst. There was no noticeable scar tissue. Everything was just uh, clearly unexplained. My husband's test came back normal. We did about three IUIs. They all failed. So the last IUI I did, I was actually, I had done it. And then we flew to California and it was right before, right before the country shut down. We were in California. Mm -hmm. It was like zombie land. No one was, no one was out. It was very strange and got my period and just fell to the floor and was absolutely devastated. I was like, this was three cycles of IUI. I'm so sorry. I know that devastation. And so do so many people listening. It's so hard. It is so isolating, you know, and then your friends are at that point where they're having babies and you can't escape the pregnancy announcements. And you're thinking, what if I don't have this, you know, 
at the time, honestly, my husband and I weren't married. We wanted to get married, but I just hate that I put this pressure on me. And I had this thought, I cannot marry this man if I can't give him kids. Mm -hmm. And he was always supportive from the get-go and said, listen, maybe we'll adopt. And, you know, because I felt like I wasn't a woman. And I said, what if I can't have a baby? And he said, being a mother will make you a woman and you'll adopt and you'll be a mother. And that's just going to be our journey then. But I just put such a a wall up with him and didn't really let him in during the whole process because I was so scared if this doesn't happen, I got to let him go. Like I knew I was the problem and it was a huge amount of pressure on me just because I felt like every month it was just entirely on me. Totally. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So anyway, we did the three IUIs. They failed. COVID. I actually called the doctor while I was in California crying and I said, what can we do here? I I cannot, I need my baby. I I just need to be a mother. I need to experience that unconditional love. I'm I'm so invested in this. And he said, let's start IVF. Why not? Let's do IVF. And I got super excited. You know how when your cycle goes and and you get your period and you go through those, that grieving process where you're like, okay, I'm never going to be a mother. You know what? It's going to happen next month. Okay. Now I have all this new hope. And then you go through it. So I went through that. Okay. We're going to start IVF. Let me relax a little bit. If it does, if it doesn't happen, actually, it doesn't happen. I'm doing IVF anyway. So we get home from California. We do the orientation. The, The country had just shut down and this was March, 2020. They call me and say, we have to put your, we just got all the medication ready to go. You have to put the uh, the cycle on hold because the, you know the country shut down. We'll give you a call when we're starting IVF again. How did that feel to get that call? It was first of all my mental state at the time, being that I wasn't working, my husband wasn't working. We're stuck at home. I'm already anxious, and now I don't get to pursue this journey of having our baby. I was super just in such a funk. Tried to keep myself busy, but it was really, it was just like the worst time to go through that. Mm-hmm. And my heart goes out to anyone who had a loss at that time or like mm-hmm. had a failed cycle right before, like that, that I can't imagine. Like, mm-hmm. so we got the call the end of April that they were going to start May 1st. And depending on my cycle is when I would go in in May. So I started documenting our journey. I was like, one day I'm going to show this to people, but right now I'm so insecure and so ashamed that I have to go down this route. Mm. So This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum... It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy-looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits, like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertile AF, code infertile AF to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertile AF, code infertile AF. Thanks, Vegamore. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My husband and I documented everything. We videotaped our the injections. You know, I was petrified of needles at the time. But you know, when you just desperately want a baby, you're like, forget the pain. I'm just gonna, we're just gonna do this. This is getting me totally. closer to my baby. So we're gonna exactly the end goal is you know you'll put up with whatever. Mm-hmm. You could take my left arm, like if I'm having a baby in the end. Hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. So my husband even cried during the injections. That was like a super emotional part and not to discourage anyone because honestly, it was super easy looking back on it, it because it's an exciting time because you're, you're, you know, you're working towards something, but you know, I was so scared of how my body was going to react. And, you know, I've read all these things and I honestly had a really easy process the day of the retrieval. I went in with such nerves because I've never been put under in any sense. My biggest thing was being put under. They wouldn't let my husband up. So woke up from that. I was prepared to wake up crying as I've heard could happen. I woke up. I was totally fine. I had no pain. I went home. I had a barbecue. I was excited to get the phone call. And then I got the phone call the next day that there was 30. Well, I knew there was 31 eggs retrieved, but 15 of them fertilized because we were making embryos. Okay. So like half, right? So at mm-hmm. that, when I got that call, I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. 31 were retrieved in half of them. You know, like at the time you're thinking, wait a minute, what? Did that um, seem low to you? It seemed low to me, but now okay. that I know more, I'm like, wow, that was incredible. And also people can retrieve like 10 eggs and end up with like seven embryos. So it's like, it's all like a lottery. I don't know what you would call it. It's just, there's no, each cycle is just so different. Totally. So I thought I'd have a little bit more fertilized, And then I got the call a few days later that I had 12 embryos. And then I got a call two weeks later that eight of them were genetically normal because we did do genetic testing. So at that point, I'm thinking, wow, 31 eggs and eight genetically normal embryos out of 31 eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, But so blessed that we had those eight genetically normal embryos. So we knew the sex. We knew we had five boys and three girls, which made it even more real. And then I really just started on my journey of preparing my body for a frozen embryo transfer. So I did acupuncture, I did lymphatic drainage massage, I ate mm-hmm. healthy, I worked out, I became obsessed. And then there was this new impending doom, like, what if this doesn't work? At least I have more, you know, ch- you know, option, like, uh, chances, but right. what if it doesn't work? Because I don't think I would have been able to handle that. Like just, just. Yeah. God gives you what you can handle or whoever gives you what you can handle. And I was like, I don't think I can handle a failure. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's also interesting to note, and I didn't know this when I was going through it. Like I really thought IVF was kind of, was a guarantee basically. And obviously it's so not, but you know, I feel like you can't say that enough. Like it's a chance, but it's not a guarantee, right? So what was your your take on that? What did you know like about the the odds and the percentages and all that? I I am such a I want to quote researcher where like I was researching what could go wrong. Why would the embryo not implant? And I was looking into like immune problems or like because I had unexplained infertility technically, mm-hmm. I was like anything could go wrong. This is IVF is not guaranteed, but this is really not guaranteed for me because we don't know why my body's not Mm-hmm. pregnant. So I had a phone call with the nurse because I called every day with a new question. I was reading and questioning everything and just completely anxious. And she's like, listen, I need you to understand like, this is a 70% chance for you being that you have these genetically normal embryos. It's not a guarantee. And I just instantly became just super depressed because I just knew it wasn't a guarantee. And I was like this, I'm going to give it every shot I can. And if we don't get pregnant with these eight genetically normal embryos, then we'll talk adoption. And I'm totally fine with that. But there's a, but people need to understand, like, it's not easy. Adoption's not easy. It's very expensive. It's, it's heartbreaking in its own way. And I knew that, that I, I knew more about the adoption thing than the IVF. I was like, 
adoption is very difficult to go through and people Mm -hmm. think, Oh, just adopt. Like, no, that's very hard. So anyway, I I knew going into it, it wasn't a hundred percent guaranteed. I actually went in for the frozen embryo transfer and I asked the doctor to write down the gender on a piece of paper, because if I, I felt like if I knew the gender, I would feel like this is really happening because the whole time I thought I'll never, I can't even picture myself being a mom. And I used mm-hmm. to say out loud, my son, my daughter, cause I just couldn't picture me actually say, like having a son or daughter. So I would say it out loud and being like, Oh, it doesn't feel real. It's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I thought if I knew I had a girl in my belly pregnant until proven otherwise, I can really cling to that and it would feel more real whether it's going to take or not. She's in my belly for the first three days, at least because they say it, it, you know, the embryo will implant by day three, if it's going to, if it's going to happen. So once that third day passed after following my frozen embryo transfer, I, I felt sad. I was like, she could be here or she, she might not be. And, um, the day of the frozen embryo transfer, just to take you back, I want to talk about a big step that I did that might help others. Acupuncture right before my transfer drove into the city, did the the transfer, drove back to my acupuncturist and she did it again, the acupuncture. And you don't feel anything special happening, but you feel like you're just contributing in some way. And there's definitely Mm -hmm. something to acupuncture. I don't know what it is. I truly believe in it. So you did it before and after is what you're saying. Yep. Yep. We have a lot of, yeah. A lot of fertility rally members do that too. What do you think? What do you know about the benefits of doing it before and after? Something about your energy, but she told me that it was increasing your blood flow to your uterus Mm -hmm. and she just had a way of speaking to my body and she would check my pulse. And she actually knew I was pregnant before I did. She was like, your pulse is very bubbly. And that's always a sign when you're when you first get pregnant, your, your pulse, your pulse kind of has this, it feels like it's going over a bubble. I like and, that term. I've never heard that before. Yeah. She said that to me and I, and, and this was because I was going to acupuncture then every other day following my transfer just to keep my body, you know, calm. And she told me after a few days of following my transfer, your pulse, this is feeling good. Like I feel, it feels bubbly. Mm-hmm. So like, great. I did not test at home. I, I waited for the phone call, which looking back on it, I don't know how I did that. I did I too. I was not really? an early tester. I was because I was so worried that I was going to get either a false negative or a false positive. And I was yeah. like, I'm just going to wait for the beta. I'm just going to wait for the blood test. You know, how many times did you go through the cycle? Just I'm one time, sure. one IVF cycle. Okay. With yeah, one healthy embryo. And I got really, really, really lucky. And it was my only, it was my only shot. It was a Hail Mary for my second kid. But anyway, waited the nine days was excruciating wait. And I decided to go to my mom's upstate. My, my husband went to work and I decided, let me go up there because if this doesn't go right, I'm going to want my mom or I'm going to want to just be home and my totally. Yeah. So I took the train. I took the Metro North went up. And the whole time I didn't eat that morning. I, you know, first of all, I went into the clinic, got the blood test, got on the train and just cried the whole time. And yeah, I was going to throw up. I was like, this phone call is going to come any second. And cause they gave the results to me the same day. And mm-hmm. the longer it went without the phone call, I was like, Oh, they're probably waiting for the doctor to be free. Cause the doctor's probably going to give me bad news. And I just like, my mind just went places that just, you know, yeah. And, um, got off the train, went to my mom's house and just walked outside and paced back and forth for that phone call. And the nurse called me and it was like 10 30 in the morning at this point, which it felt like an eternity, <laughs> but it was totally. 10 30 in the morning. And she was like, congratulations. And I just fell to the floor. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, this is real. And I, it was an, it was an incredible day. It was the best day of my life, but that just started the journey of anxiety. Um, how I might lose this baby. What, what's, what am I doing that? What, what if I have a miscarriage or what if I, I became obsessed and I, the entire pregnancy, I was super anxious. I was worried about what I ate. I was worried about what was in my kitchen. There's cold cuts in my fridge. What if it touched something else? Totally. I went insane. 
and drove my husband crazy. There was a lot of arguing because I was just so anxious. Like, what if I lose this baby before I even meet her? Uh, You know, I had a very healthy pregnancy otherwise, except for my mental health. And fast forward to giving birth to her. I was in labor for three days in the hospital and it was a very traumatic birth. I think about it almost every day. What happened? So it was a doctor who worked in the practice. She definitely, she wasn't board certified. I find out, I found out after the, the time she was on call when I went in, she was nice, but she just, you could tell she was a rookie and she had me pushing for five hours in active labor. Like I think at hour two or three, it should have been like, you should have a C-section. Like, what do I know? You know, like, I don't know anything at that point about a birth, my first baby. And, and I'm being told you got this, we can avoid this C-section. I never went into it. Like let's avoid a C-section. I went into it. Like you bring me this baby healthy, no matter how this baby. Right. Right. Exactly. So I'm following your judgment. I'm following what you're telling me. And you're telling me that I could do this fine five hours. And by hour four, I was looked at my husband. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. And I did it. And my daughter got stuck. She ended up with shoulder dystocia. They screamed shoulder about 10 people. It's like they were reading outside the door, just rushed in the room. Oh God. One of the doctors took his elbow, punched my belly. Thank God I had the epidural. And she came right out. He like maneuvered her out of that position. She didn't cry right away. No one was speaking to us. My husband and I were screaming, what's going on? And I knew about shoulder dystocia because of course I was an anxious pregnant person who looked up everything that could be wrong. Mm -hmm. They finally came over to me and said, listen, she did have shoulder dystocia, but she seems fine now. We'll monitor her. She didn't, we knew she didn't lose any oxygen. Thank God they tested the placenta cord. I, they tested the cord to make sure she didn't lose any oxygen, mm-hmm. but she ended up having to go get a brain MRI and a shoulder MRI just to make sure she didn't have a brain bleed because they did use the vacuum. She got stuck. She wasn't able to use her right arm. She had asymmetrical movements. We ended up doing physical therapy for the first eight weeks of her life. And it was just not, I did not enjoy the newborn phase because I kept thinking, what if my child has cerebral palsy? What if my child has, you know, a severe neurological deficit and it's my fault because I had a big baby. I gained Mm -hmm. 60 pounds when I was pregnant and she was almost nine pounds. Mm -hmm. So I blamed myself and I was like, this baby has to be healthy because I'll never forgive myself. And thank God she is and overcame that. But it was just so traumatic and I'll never not think about it, um, even though yeah. it's just perfect. But yeah, hundred percent. And and how old is she now? She's two and a half. Okay. And- oh my gosh. And now a brief word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. Ritual knows that it's basically impossible to get all the nutrients you need from your diet 100% of the time. So they made a multivitamin that helps you focus on what's important, like filling key nutrient gaps to support foundational health. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is my go-to morning vitamin, and here's why. Ritual multivitamins are 100% made traceable with high-quality key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms so you can trust what you're putting in your body. Delayed release capsules are designed to dissolve later in the small intestine, an ideal place to absorb nutrients. They're non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free and vegan. And you guys, they have this minty or citrus essence in every bottle to help keep things fresh. And you know what? It actually makes taking your multis every day enjoyable. So instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. The great news is that Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus or prenatal to your subscription today. And here's a quick caveat. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Thanks, Ritual. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM. Okay, so wait, that's not the end of your family building journey, right? No, let me let me move on from there. So then a year, well, about 10 months, when she was about 10 months old, my husband and I were like, let's just, let's have another baby. Let's do another frozen embryo transfer. We were trying to get pregnant. Didn't happen. You know, I thought now that we have our baby, I can relax. It didn't happen. So we started on the journey of another frozen embryo transfer with one of the embryos that we had frozen. So a few days before my daughter's first birthday, so this is March, 2022, uh, we had done the transfer. I actually did test at home on day four. I got a positive, which was super rare. So I was like, this is great. I was on cloud nine. I was totally happy. I am a photographer and I do a lot. I, that's like a busy season for me, like with baptisms, like any religious events, you know, springtime, I was doing an event at a church. It was a baptism. And I felt this insane. This is at this point, I was about five and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. I felt this insane cramping, like knocked me out. And I just had to pretend everything was fine. And I, and I wasn't even thinking miscarriage or anything. I was thinking like maybe embryos settling in a little bit more, maybe it just like pulled a muscle, but I felt, I felt myself bleed at, like about 30 minutes later and I'm photographing all the, this family at the altar. And I thought, Oh my God, I just lost the baby oh. I from there. I go straight to the clinic. They were open on a weekend. This was a Sunday. And She's like, well, I see a heartbeat. I don't see a subchorionic hematoma, which you are prone to, especially with IVF. So just go home, take it easy. Bleeding happens in early pregnancy. It's like, okay. But at that point I was petrified. I was like, what if that happens again? Like that was a lot of blood. So Mm -hmm. I go home a few days later, I'm walking my daughter in the park and I get the same feeling. I feel tons of bleeding. I rush home. So at this point I realized any way I exert myself, I'm going to bleed. This is not okay. I have to be laying down for myself not to bleed. I go to the clinic. It's a teaching hospital. And then, and then one of the students comes in and she's like, I don't see a heartbeat. I'm so sorry. There was, it it was just super, it was like talking to someone with absolutely no emotion. Like, and she was like, stop your hormones today and come back for a DNC on Friday. Mm. So that was like, uh, three or four days following that day. Mm-hmm. And I something inside of me thought, this is very strange. I want to, I'm going to want answers. So I asked to have my blood work taken. I wanted to know what my progesterone was. And they were like, no, we don't need to do that. And I'm like, let's, let's test my progesterone. I'm just want to make sure it is. I just, I'm going to want answers, right? Good for you to advocate for yourself. Yes. Oh yeah. You d- uh, Number one thing for anyone listening, you have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I went home, I, I grieved it. My daughter's uh, first birthday came around. I had a party. Um, no one knew what was going no. on. Yeah. yeah. And I drank a glass of wine because I was like, I'm not pregnant anymore. I haven't actually lost the baby, you know, nothing, just a little bit of bleeding, no clotting, nothing. So I was like, I have a, a dead embryo inside of me. I was, I was Aww. totally distraught. I go in for the DNC on a Friday. And the doctor comes in the room because they have to do an ultrasound right for the DNC. And it was like something out of a movie. She's looking at the screen and she's just pure panic. And you could see like the wheels turning. Like she's thinking, how do I explain to her that there is a heartbeat? Mm. And there is a heartbeat. It was slow, but it was there. So instantly when she tells me that, she's like, let me go get one of my fellow doctors. And she left the room when she went and got a doctor. And the two of them are looking at the screen and they're like, this doesn't really happen. So I said, so you're telling me like, you don't have a heartbeat, lose a heartbeat, get a heartbeat. The heartbeat was always there and you guys just failed to really examine it. And then she tried to tell me, well, you know, you were bleeding a lot. So sometimes it's hard to see the heartbeat when you're bleeding so much. So I said, so then why did you make that call so quickly? Why did you take me off my hormone medicine? That's why the heartbeat. Why didn't you wait a couple of days and have me come back? Um, Yes, exactly. And so I was livid. And then I asked, can you test my progesterone again? Because I knew that I wanted proof that you taking me off this progesterone is what caused this miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So my progesterone was like a 27 the day they told me there was no heartbeat. And the day that I 
went in for the DNC and the heartbeat was really slow. The progesterone was like a two. So he was like, listen, you're, you start the hormones when you get home, but there's a very good chance you're going to lose this baby because the heartbeat's really slow and I don't really see it coming back. It was like 70 or 80 beats per minute. Okay. So I went home and I literally miscarried that day at home. So So, sorry. Yeah. it, It was so traumatic and I was so angry and the doctor actually called me on his cell phone and to apologize. And he's like, I don't understand how this happened. We will address this when you're ready to do it again. It's on us. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I didn't do it again for like, that was March, 2022. We didn't decide to start again until September, 2022. So I just spent the whole summer just enjoying my daughter. I was like, honestly, being one and done would be fine. It's just that I felt this immense amount of pressure to give her a sibling. I I have a sister and we're very close and my husband has a brother and they're very close. And I thought, let's do it one more time. Let's just, now that I spent the summer enjoying my daughter, didn't even really think about it. Once I got over the grieving stage, cause I was, I was down. I, we knew it was a boy. My husband was really upset at the time. You know, he was looking forward to having a son. And once we decided let's, let's get back up on our feet and let's enjoy the summer with our daughter. We decided September would be a good time. Did the same thing, did the acupuncture, um, prepared my body for frozen embryo transfer. We did the transfer this time last year and I did test at home after a few days and I got clearly pregnant, blew up, just shined on that pregnancy test. And, and I was sick instantly. And I thought this is crazy. So I went in for the blood test. The beta was great. Waited for my ultrasound. And as you know, that, that wait from the positive beta to your for, first ultrasound is like, Oh my God. Yes. Oh so my God. Like, I know mm-hmm. I'm pregnant, but isn't it, isn't it topic pregnancy? Is it in uterine pregnancy? Like, is it, you never know. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting these low grade fevers and I was just super sick. And I, I was like, I know I'm not due for the ultrasound for a couple of days, but can I come in? I'm super worried. I'm just not feeling good. And I go in for the ultrasound and the doctor does the, does the ultrasound and she grabs my leg and, and instantly I'm not thinking this is a miscarriage or anything. I'm thinking there's more than one in there. Oh my God. And I look over and it looked like my follicles in my ovary. Cause I'm seeing these two sacks, these two black circles. And I'm like, oh my God, is there two? And she's like, there's two. And there's <gasps> there were heartbeats. Two heartbeats. Oh and I was and and it, and I was so grateful, but I was like, oh my God, this is completely new territory. I've never even thought about having twins. It was just something they always try to avoid, as you know, with IVF. They're like, let's just put one embryo in and it's the safest thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's why I'm so sick. And I ended up in the ER a few times after that, just from severe dehydration from just being so sick, mm-hmm. but I was so excited and it was a very, very rough pregnancy. I, wow. It was just insane. Mm-hmm. How was it compared to your daughter, well, you know, being pregnant with have, your daughter? Did not have the anxiety I had with my daughter just cause I was like, wow, I worried so much about her and she ended up being fine in the end. And mm-hmm. so it's like, I'm going to drink my coffee mm-hmm. and I'm going to play with my daughter in the playground and not be so scared to not move. And that's what it was. And it just was incredibly uncomfortable. I, one baby was in my, like kicking my bladder and one was up in my ribs. It was just constant discomfort. It was, mm-hmm. I was huge. I was uncomfortable. I was retaining water. Um, it, it was rough and the, the boys were always measure, measuring big. So I don't think I had mentioned this for those that are wondering how this happened. They put one embryo in, but sometimes with IVF, that embryo can split. Yes. And that's what happened. And that's what happened. So they're, oh my God. Yeah. So it's like a 1.5% chance of happening. They told me, and I was like, of course I'm that 1.5% and it's split. (laughs) They're identical. And I was so blessed to give birth to them on mother's day. So May 14. And I was told the entire pregnancy again, ladies advocate for yourself. I was told you're going to have a C-section. We want to avoid shoulder dystocia happening again. Also you're having twins. A lot of the time, the first baby will come out. And then the second one, gets stuck and it's an emergency C-section. Let's just forgo that and just do a C-section. And I thought, mm-hmm. I really 
can't imagine recovering from a surgery. And actually at eight months, my husband was laid off from his company when I was eight months pregnant. And I thought oh I cannot have a C-section because he's going to start with a new company. We, we got word that he was going somewhere else and he was going to start a day at the day after it ended up being the day after I gave birth. But anyway, we knew it was going to be in May. So I was like, I cannot recover from a surgery with three kids, no. two newborn twins and a toddler. Yeah. I, was, I said to the doctor, I need to have a, I need to try a natural uh, vaginal birth. And he was so against it. And he said at 38 weeks, if you don't go on your own, we're doing C-section. So I already had May 14th planned. And I, I did everything they say to do to induce labor and nothing mm. worked. What, like, like, what did you do? Like walk I on a curb, eat curb spicy walking, food? Yeah. I ate tons of sex. I ate the, 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 what are they? The, what are those? The dates. I ate the dates. Um, I did the breast pump, which by the way, don't do that. That's really dangerous. I learned after. And I just did everything that's in the book and nothing worked. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm chasing after a two-year-old. I have two babies. I've, my body already knows what to do. They're big size. Why aren't they just coming? Like, so one night, it was like two nights before, no, sorry. It was the night before I was supposed to go in for my C-section. This was like May 13th. And I called my mom. I said, you need to come pick up my daughter. And I said, I'm going to go to the hospital and pretend that I'm in pain and that I'm cramping because they were not going to let me do an induction to try a vaginal birth unless I was exactly 38 weeks by law. Mm-hmm. And I would be exactly 38 weeks at midnight. So we decided to go in at 10 PM into the hospital two hours before midnight and pretend that I'm feeling some kind of laboring pains. And I love it. Yeah. I went on the monitor and I, and I was contracting and I felt nothing and I was contracting. And I said to my husband, I'm contracting. Like this is actually happening. I could have been sitting at home and not have known that I'm sitting here with regular contraction. So she comes in, she goes, Oh, you're, you're an early labor. So we're going to admit you. And you're going to hopefully try and deliver this baby vaginally. And if you don't, by 11 a.m., we'll do a C-section. And I thought, I need to have these babies before 11 Mm a.m. So uh, a doctor came in who was not my regular doctor. He was on call. And he was like, I really believe you could do this. I think you can do a vaginal. And um, I I felt really good about that. But then that fear came, like, what if they do have shoulder dystocia? What if one of them does? And he's like, it's these babies are not going to be the size of your daughter. I think you'll be okay. And this isn't going to be a prolonged labor. Like your other one was like, you'll be fine. I, I switched hospitals. So this, this is a completely different hospital. It's like top notch. And I picked it because I was the number one NICU in New York. And I was like, I, I have to have the best NICU if I'm having twins. Like you never know what could happen. Mm-hmm. So it was like 8am. I, I only was like five centimeters then my regular doctor came in to prepare for my C-section. He's like, listen, I'm going to check you in an hour. If you're 10 centimeters, I'm going to let you for one hour, try pushing. If I notice any issues, if I have any indication, this baby's going to get stuck or there's going to be any kind of problems, I'm, I'm delivering you via C-section. Mm-hmm. So he came in around nine, nine 30 and he checked me and I was 10 centimeters. I was like, Thank God they brought. Oh my God! I know they brought us to the operating room because, as you know, with twins, they have to deliver you in the operating room, even if it's vaginal. So they brought me in, and I started pushing, and my first baby came out within ten minutes. And oh my gosh, incredible experience! It was a complete one eighty from delivering my daughter. Yeah, they were able to put him on me, and I just was, we were both so emotional. My husband had lost his dad while I was pregnant. So we actually named him after my Mm father-in-law and we knew that baby a was going to be named after my father-in-law. So baby a came out first and it was just super emotional. I was like, I didn't even feel a thing. I'd ever felt any pressure. It was just completely different than my first labor and delivery. He was seven pounds, five ounces. And then I, I pushed and pushed. It took about 30 minutes. And then baby B came seven pounds, five ounces. So two really healthy, beautiful babies, no drama, no pain, no postpartum hemorrhage. Like last time, it was just a really amazing experience. And I'm just so like, I would do it again tomorrow. Like, wow. Yeah. Just, it was just, I, I was able to enjoy them because there was no drama that I had to worry about. Right. It's just 
I'm just so fortunate that I have three beautiful babies and I didn't think I could even have one. Absolutely. And you're a fertility doula now, right? I am. I'm, I'm training to be a full spectrum doula. I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm a family photographer. So I'm trying to incorporate birth doula, postpartum doula into my photography. So like the first few days at home with baby, I will come in and take photos so that you can kind of enjoy baby and I'll take care of capturing those photos. That's cool. while also taking care of mama, any meal prep, any light housekeeping, do you need help with breastfeeding? Do you, like, I'm going to come in, I'm going to bring my camera and it's going to be just a very relaxing ex- experience. Mm-hmm. And then I'm working to become a certified birth doula and I'll come in and I'll bring my camera and I'll help you with the delivery, help you advocate for yourself and also take pictures along the way. So yeah, that's such that a cool is, combination. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I'm trying to work on be- you know, with being a fertility doula, which I'm trying to work on how I can bring the camera into that, like, like helping you document your journey to baby with the injections and all that. But I I have to figure out how to, how to go about that because it's, you know, it's almost like 14 days of injections. And then do you really want a camera there? If you do, that's great because it's on, it's your journey to baby. And I I think that's like something that no one really thinks about doing. And I look back at my photos or videos from creating embryos and they're like my favorite footage ever. So mm-hmm. um, that's really I, cool. Yeah. That's my idea. And that's what I'm hoping to do. So it's all a work in progress. Um, I just had my babies they're four months today. So hopefully by winter time, we can really get things going. you so much for listening guys don't forget to come join us at fertility rally live this is fertility rally live number seven we've got tara lipinski we've got deja riley we've got doctors for fertility we've got eight breakout sessions on all these really interesting niche topics that i think you will all really love we have giveaways we have a happy hour we have a virtual swag bag where you get discounts And all you have to do is go register for your free ticket. It's completely free, but you have to get a ticket before you come. And then you have 90 days to watch everything. So go to the link in my bio at Infertilife Stories and you can register for your free ticket there or go to the link in bio at Fertility Rally and you can do it there. So hope to see you guys at Fertility Rally Live. Again, you can get your free ticket at the link in bio at Infertilife Stories or on Fertility Rally's Instagram. Thanks. Talk to you guys next time. credit card bill.